This is ASI. I'm Russia's computer. Russ is sick. His voice don't work too good, so I'm sitting in this week. In this message, we are rocking the sanctity of truth via the Ninth Commandment, which states you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Exodus 2016. Here is Samasi. is giving me the opportunity to share with you words. This is what text sounds like. Pretty cool, huh? Words coupled so very eloquently with some chick-ass rocking tunes. Russ reminds you all the music can be downloaded on the website at aaaasi247.org. No, no! No, 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 I'm not putting you all through that! It's time to reboot! Re reboot the show! Come on, here we go! Control, Alt, Delete, it's time to reboot the show! Hold it down! Power button, that circle with the line on the top, hold it down, hold it, hold it! There we go! Rebooted the show. Little, uh, little boot sounds, right? Windows, Mac, uh, went both ways on that, right? Gotta keep everybody happy. Being all things to all people, right? As Paul said in the Bible, right? Um, anyway, it's good to be back. It's good. I know my voice is probably a little off. May sound a little nasally. Something going on. I apologize for that. I, uh, I'm getting better. I'm better than I was yesterday. Way better than I was the day before. And hopefully I can have this thing kicked right soon. I still got that thing right in your head. Do you ever get a cold and you have that thing where you like, you swallow and you hear like, like static in your brain? Is it like, right? You hear that sound? I hate that. Like, man, I can't wait till that goes away. You know, you're over your cold when all of a sudden like it pops and then. Oh, wow, that's awesome. I can hear. And I don't hear that sound no more. <laughs> it's good. It's a good day when that happens. Anyway, uh, got a lot of email. And uh, here to address some of that. I also wanted to talk about the death of Osama bin Laden here in the show today. And you may be sick of all the news that's come out about it. I, I don't know when you're listening to this in the realm of time, but this is May 2011, and uh, it's a big story right now. No, I'm not going to go off topic. This has everything to do with the Ninth Commandment, with, right, what, what does this have to do with sexual integrity? I, uh, you'll see, all right, I'm going to get around to that, but I wanted to address this and come at this, approach it from what I've heard from people in the Christian community on how we should react and how we should respond to the death of this this man. Like, people are celebrating in the streets, right? Osama bin Laden's dead, and yay, right? And people are freaking out. And some people are like, you know, Christians ought not to celebrate the death of their enemies. Uh, um, posters of Osama bin Laden's face and underneath it, right, Matthew 
5.11. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. There's been a lot of positive, negative, um, excited energy, angry energy. How, what is right, what is wrong in this, and what this all has to do with addiction and the kind of queen ants that we all struggle with. Here's a bumper by the band Saliva. The song's called Because of You. All because of you. on people who are celebrating the death of such a vile villain um, like Osama bin Laden. What if it was your wife or your daughter or your son that was scraped off the streets of New York City? On September 11th, it rained bodies, okay? There was people whose last words they got from their loved ones were text messages as the building started to collapse under their feet, okay? There are little kids who don't have daddies and mommies at home right now, this very moment, struggling with the hurt and the pain of what this evil son of a bitch did on that day, okay? So I'm going to come out with that, and I'm going to address that starting right now and starting to kick this thing off, because there are victims of crimes. There are victims in the world who hurt and who are looking for some kind of closure, right? I don't even like that word because it's kind of shallow, really, but you know what I'm saying? something to kind of ease the pain a little bit. This man killed, murdered 3,000 Americans on that day. More than that. There's a woman at, at AC3, a church in, in Marysville that I love those guys. Sister, who, who was a big member of that church, a big part of that church, um, died on a plane right? I mean, she was on one of those planes that crashed into the buildings, and what, what do you tell her? What do you, what do you say to people who are hurting and suffering in the midst of evil that's been done to them, to their families, to a nation, right? And it's not just our nation. I mean, uh, Obama had it right when he said, I mean, this man slaughtered Muslims as well. He's an equal opportunity murderer, this man was. Wore the badge of terrorist with pride, Osama bin Laden. So, you know, before we slap the posters up and start to should and ought to on people about forgiving our enemies. We need to do the hard work of getting to know people, right? Getting into their story, man. Some of you guys in New York, Timothy Keller's church up there, man, Redeemer Presbyterian up in New York, man. I, I love those guys. Love Timothy Keller. Uh, I pray for your city. And um, again, it's it's being involved in people's lives, right? 
when it comes to this issue. Do I think it's a tragedy when a gifted man lets the, the red lizard, right, that, that exists in him, right? Sin is this affliction, this disease of the heart that we all have that tells us things, okay, that has us believe lies. I mean, we're all imperfect, jacked up creatures who are prone to be foolish and, and believe lies and the biggest lie that this man believed was the lie of this self-righteous religion that says we're holy, you're evil and ultimately the, the ultimate pinnacle of that kind of thinking is killing and murdering your enemy if you, you follow it down to its root funny I hear atheist college professors talk about how they're they're so smart because they know that religion is the cause of all this death and hell and pain in the world uh, most of the wars being fought over religion and whose God is better than whoever else's God and the Bible says that about self-righteous religion okay it is sin sin is the problem this I'm better than you, we're the holy people, you're the dirty people, and like I said, the ultimate crux of that is to kill the dirty people if you actually think that you're somehow holy. The truth of scripture is that we're all imperfect, broken, messed up people who need Jesus, all right? Jesus is the only one who's good. I mean, Jesus says that. This guy comes up, good teacher. Jesus says, why are you calling me good? No, there's no one good but God. Ultimately, that's what he reveals later, that he is God. But uh, I love that he corrects this man and says that. We're, we're all wearing the black hat. Jesus is the only one with a white hat. And that's the truth. It's not about religion. Right? It's the truth. It's facts, all right? Dan Brown wrote the Da Vinci Code. The guy's a history professor, and he offended a lot more historians than he did Christians, you know? It's funny how he'll say, go on, go on the radio, go, yeah, if it's a documentary, I'd write it the same way. The reason you called it a novel is because you'd be laughed out of the historical community as an intellectual talking about the fact. I pray that Dan Brown would be honest enough with himself to realize that that's why he called it a novel, <laughs> right? Anyhow, um, and then my point on this is that, you know, I don't hate Dan Brown. I'm, I don't hate anybody. I don't even hate Osama bin Laden. But here's the deal. Using Dan Brown as an example of of what can happen. Um, I believe Dan Brown somewhere along the way has been injured by religion, personally. Um, I don't know what that looks like. He seems to have a real tough time with Catholicism and, and the Catholics seems to be his main, uh, his main, I mean, he goes after the existence of Jesus and all that, his story stuff. But, he, you know, more, more often than not, he likes to focus on the, the Catholic Church. Um, I get it, man. I get that you might be angry at God, might be angry with religion, but what does that have you do, right? How does that have you pouring out? Um, the, sh the first song that my computer shared with you, <laughs> kicking off the show, was a song by Ozzy Osbourne called You Can't Stop Rock and Roll. And I played the beginning of that song because it... Um, you know, she talks about lies and the truth and believing lies and how painful it can be when people don't understand us, don't understand where we're at, don't understand our wounds, right? And, you know, the next line in that song was, uh, Leave me alone, don't want your promises no more, because rock and roll is my religion and my law. Won't ever change, may think it's strange. You can't kill rock and roll. It's here to stay. 
And I think this is part of, you know, Ozzy's reaction to a lot of this, you know, this satanic stuff that came out in the 80s. And I don't, I don't get it, man. It's just weird. There's a lot of, even the Beatles were attacked for being satanic, right? The Beatles, all you need is love. All you need is love. Yeah, that's, that's some devil music right there, ain't it? <laughs> so, you know, how do you react when, when hurt comes along? I don't know. I think Ozzy kind of... Uh, uh, opportunity saw saw some opportunity there and decided to call himself the Prince of Darkness and you know made that part of his, his act part of his uh, gimmick as you will but uh, you know the first few lines in the song Crazy Train by Ozzy Osbourne his biggest hit ever um, from the, the first solo album that he did let me read them to you uh, crazy but that's how it goes Millions of people living as foes. Maybe it's not too late to learn how to love and forget how to hate. And it goes into the chorus, which is mental wounds not healing, driving me insane. I'm going off the rails on a crazy train. Awesome lyrics, true words, and it has everything to do with the message that I feel led to communicate here today um the word the, the, can't kill rock and roll it's not can't stop rock and roll the name of the song is can't kill rock and roll and uh i love those lyrics but but at the same time it shows that kind of short perception span right like my religion is rock and roll like music is this thing that that's out there right like it's just flowing out of me and I'm putting it to song, I'm putting a rhythm to it, and it's my emotion, it's my message that's pouring out my heart right now, and that is rock and roll, right? That's why I like the Psalms. And yes, David has a deeper message, of course, to the music that's in the Psalms. Those are songs, right? And they're not all pretty songs. Sometimes they're pretty heavy, right? Sometimes they're pretty uh, metal, if you will. Uh, David pouring out so, but if it's just emotion, right? If it's just, without any direction, and I love that he wrote that in that song, Crazy Train, you know? Mental wounds not healing, driving me insane, um, going off the rails on a crazy train. The major, major problem with our culture, with the world, is the lies that we believe. And I, like I said before, no, I don't hate Dan Brown. I don't hate Osama Bin Laden, um, but I do hate the liar who whispers and tells us lies, who tricks us and has us believe that um, 2 plus 2 equals 17, right? Constantly whispering these lies and untruths to us, getting us to try and conform to madness, right? The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. The same thing could be said about addiction, doing the same thing over and over again, expecting it to feel as good as it did the time before, and it doesn't. And you just keep doing it over and over, and it's not making you feel any better, and it starts to destroy and deteriorate your life. That is what believing lies results in, ultimately. What I want to focus on today is that, you know, and I've talked about religion so many times, and I don't want to be redundant, but I also want to expose the heart condition that is this massive, defensive, I'm good, I'm going to protect me. It's an energy that comes flowing out of us, you know, and it doesn't make peace. I mean, there's this kind of, again, short perception span. There's this kind of shallow, uh, superficial, you know, we're going to throw up the peace sign and wear a tie-dye shirt and pretend that I'm a, I'm a peace guy, right? Like, I, I love, because I talk a good talk, I mean, what? I love peace. Well, what does that mean? And I always want to love to engage the peace Nick, right? You know, one of these guys in the band Green Day, you know, I look at him and say, okay, 
what if uh, what if you got a group of people over here and you got a group of people over here and group A says I'm gonna kill group B because I don't like them because of their religion because of their skin color because of whatever reason and listen here's something that Matt Chandler said that I thought was awesome and it's something to remember um, Christians right true Christianity is true religion it says in the Bible, the book of James is protecting widows and orphans, right? Feeding widows and orphans, caring for widows and orphans, that kind of thing. Uh, not just Christian widows and orphans. Um, it's protecting yourself against the worldliness that gets in the heart, okay? Um, if the Muslims are not the enemy, all right, of the Christian. That's just not true. We are called to serve love to protect and if the opportunity arises to die for the Muslim man or woman all right we're, we're called to love we're called to peace that's that's in the Bible so I just wanted to clear that up when people think about Christianity and and these things, I mean, that's that's what's biblical. That's what the Bible says. We are to love and to serve others more than ourselves, even if their values and their beliefs don't match up with ours. We lovingly pursue and persist, and communicate, right? I mean, anyway, I digress there a minute. But anyway... You get what I'm saying, right? Let's say group A says to group B, I'm going to kill you. And you're in the middle, right? Are you just going to say, oh, man, I'm not going to pick up a gun? Are you going to protect group B? How, how is your heart towards group B? What if you have a loved one in group B? Right? Let's say mom's in group B. Sometimes there calls for war. There's a Chinese proverb that I like, that, uh, and I'm paraphrasing here, but it goes like this. You want to make uh, peace with a Bengal tiger? Then lay down and let him eat you, okay? Then you, then you have peace, because he's hungry, and you know, why, why should you judge and get in the way of him being hungry? Do you see what I'm saying? One of the first weapons for military, the Colt revolver, um, the U.S. government service revolver of 1873 put out by Colt. And it's funny, it's the, uh, the single action army revolver model P called the Peacemaker. I saw a bumper sticker. It's more of a sign on the back of this guy's truck in Seattle. It said, War's not good for anything. And then it said, Wait except for ending slavery, right? Genocide, e evil dictators, you know, fascism, you know, this list of, of things. And maybe that's why some of you got in the military, because you saw an opportunity to serve your country. And I'm so grateful to you guys who are listening, man. I'm so glad to have you. I'm honored that you would even have me in your your earbuds. Um, there are people listening to my voice right now marching across miles of desert um, sitting in a, in a ship at sea for hours um, flying in an aircraft above the Middle East for many hours on end listening to the the ASI podcast, and I, uh, man, I'm honored and humbled by that. So, you know, I get so, uh, when I hear these peaceniks talk about, you know, we shouldn't even be over there, aren't, didn't Jesus say, you know, turn the other cheek and stuff like that. Listen, um, Sermon on the Mount, right, where the turn the other cheek passages, uh, Jesus is talking to. Uh, religious teachers of the law um, who've got to this cold-hearted place of wanting others to live up to laws and rules that that 
you know, they're not living up to, first of all. And <laughs> second of all, he's going to raise the bar on what it means to obey and be totally obedient to the law in Matthew 5. And he starts out Matthew. And listen, reading the Bible is all about context, all right? Don't just take verses out of context and try and say that that's truth, you know? Like these guys who say, oh yeah, well, uh, the Bible says that if two or more are gathered in his name, then then that's church, right? Then Jesus is there and, and that's church, all right? In the context of that verse, they're talking about um, confrontation and conflict where a brother is sinning against his wife or somebody else in the church and you need to come in, you take two brothers in and you have a discussion with that man because you love him and God knows that it is hard for us to do that in conflict, especially when there's heart issues involved. So he says, I will be there with you also, right? Invite me in, pray, and, and I'll, I'll be there with you. So that's just one of many, many examples of, of verses taken way out of context. And this turn the other cheek verse is as well. Because again, um, yes, turn the other cheek. Don't resist the evil man. If he strikes you on one side of your face, you turn him the other. If he tries to take your tunic, you 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 know you hand him a, your cloak as well, or whatever shirt. I don't know. And what he's referencing there, uh, right, is the eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. That there's cold-hearted religious people that just want to go out for revenge. And, and, you know, what Jesus is saying here is that I'm ultimate authority. Everything happens for a reason. And, uh, right, like, if you're victimized in a crime, and he's saying you, all right? This is not some mugger walking up to you and your wife in the alley and going, you know, give me your, your wallet and, and her purse, and you just, you know, turn the other cheek while he beats the crap out of your wife or sexual abuse or anything. That's not what he's saying here. Alright? He's saying that people so happy it's all about me eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. No, everything happens for a reason. And uh, it, it's like the casino, right? I mean, that's one thing that blew my mind about gambling. Right? Like every roll of the dice, God knows every roll of the dice, every turn of the card. He already knows how every game, he already knows the Kentucky Derby on Saturday and who's going to win. All right? God knows all of that stuff. And all of the winning and everything that happens, happens for a reason and in his sovereign authority. Now, we still have choices and we still sin and people do sin and that's where authority takes over. Ultimately, that's what he's doing in Matthew 5 is he's, you know, the should and ought to on you crowd, he is pointing to them and kind of giving them some of their own medicine to a certain extent, right? Like you who are shooting and ought toing on other people, here's how you ought to live. And listen, if, you're, if you don't see me as God, right, be perfect. Right. If you don't, if you you don't see me as the gateway, as the, you know, as he says in John ten, uh, th then be perfect. You you got to be perfect. That is you being uh, your utmost, right? For his highest is be perfect. You want to do you want to do the law? Be perfect. And in other passages, Jesus says, you know, come to me, those of you who are heavy burdened, and I will give you rest, right? Matthew 5, the, the Beatitudes, starting out the Sermon on the Mount, he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, but yours is the kingdom of heaven, right? Blessed are you when you are at the end of your rope, when you cannot do it, and you turn to God, and you seek his face, and you run to him for help. Step one of the 12 steps, admit you have a problem. Admit you're powerless over your addiction. Admit that you know what you should and ought to do, but you're not doing it and you need help from God, right? In this show, I go beyond the, 
make up your own God, and I'm telling you to get outside, to dump religion, as Jesus is talking about in Matthew 5, and reach for Jesus, because he's not about religion. The religious people put him on a cross and crucified him. And to prove that he is the authority, that he says he is in Matthew 28, he came back three days later. All right? Again, a historical fact. There's no tomb for Jesus. All right? It's empty. In Matthew 5, Jesus is going after that red lizard right that exists in us that voice that right that those are the bad people i mean that's ultimately what took over this gifted leader who was osama bin laden that cold iciness of heart that won over that man who uh, from what I hear, you know, picked up a gun and used one of his wives as a human shield as the Navy SEALs busted in his room and, and shot him, right? I mean, uh, I, I'm not a betting man, but if I'm going to say the guy went to hell, I, yeah, I'm pretty sure that he didn't ask for forgiveness from Jesus. And, you know, I think when he went exactly to where he was supposed to go. And you know what? Isn't it awesome that God is as good and as gracious as he is, that he would let us see some justice on this side of the grave, right? Like nobody's getting away with anything. Everyone's going to have to face God in the end. Everyone's going to have to stand before the judgment seat. And ultimately, you know, even the guy, even if Osama bin Laden was 90, he would still have to go to hell forever and ever. And that's a very, very long time compared to the vapor couple of seconds that this life is in comparison. But isn't it awesome that his grace and his mercy and his love for those who would find some rest for their souls in seeing that kind of evil brought to justice. Yes, I will say that in this life. But my question is, what about you? Sometimes I don't mind how hateful that onion bakes. Sometimes I don't try to make you happy. I don't know why I do the things I do to you. Skillet. Sometimes I find it hard to believe there's someone as messed up as me. Stopping the faking, taking off the mask. It's amazing how getting into like group can do that. If you're in like a 12-step group, or you know what I'm talking about, a recovery group, there's some Bible studies, very few, but there's some where people are honest enough to read scripture and go, man, I really struggle with this. Here's where I'm at with this part of the Bible, with this thing right here. Or, you know, I mean, when people get honest and naked, you start to see that, hey, man, there's some other people struggling with the same stuff. And there's some people that have overcome some things. And man, part of that's the power of community, right? I love that. Um, so, I, uh, that song, the the other song by Saliva, all because of you, right? I talked about the wounds and and some of the things that happened to us in our life. This was part of my story, you know. Like I didn't have the rosiest childhood. I I got dealt a pretty uh, messed up hand, so to speak, and. Uh, you know, so there's these wounds that I've had, and a lot of a lot of the wounds, a lot of the sin that I was sinned against, right? And the reason I ended up sinning as a result was 
times rather die than admit that I'm wrong. I mean, this is just truth right here, right? That's what I'm talking about. You get into the Bible and it's, there's the Old Testament, the New Testament. The Old Testament, it, it focuses a lot on nations, right? Like the nation of Israel, other nations, and God is pouring out a lot of times wrath when a nation, when the bulk of its people just become horribly evil and sinful and you know there's a part where God's like you know I'm, I'm sorry I made these freaking wretched creatures I mean, I, God actually says that you know and then he he chooses Noah and uh, which is here's another thing right out of context most Bible translations most of the Bible teachers you know, Sunday school they get this wrong right like, and Pastor Mark talks about this a lot you know this is theologically another um, misconception Noah's Ark uh, all the all the bad people they drowned you know and they're clawing at the side of the ark while Noah who's a, a good man right who's a, a varsity with his behavior he's the righteous man he he gets to live while the, all the sinners all the little sinners they all die um, the accurate translation of that scripture is that God gave Noah grace all right God gives Noah grace was Noah perfect no Noah looked to God, Noah reached for God, Noah had a relationship with God, Noah wasn't perfect, right? I mean, what does he do? He gets off the boat, he gets drunk, running around naked in the front yard, passes out, you know, and his sons, you know, are ashamed of him, throw a blanket over him. I mean, that's that's in the Bible, okay? It's, it's not this the bad people or God, right? The wrath is poured out. The wrath is poured out. Discipline. There's discipline and wrath. I can go into that later. But basically what I want you to understand is there is a war going on in every single one of us. Okay? Here in my city, Seattle, here in the United States, the most prescribed medications are those for depression and anxiety. Right? There is... So many people focused on the battles that are out there when they have inner conflict that needs to be dealt with on a spiritual level. It is spiritual, all right? Something that makes you feel like you are liberated and free. And more often than not, it's the voice that you don't even see until you realize you're addicted. And that's part of my story. And it's why I love that story with uh, C.S. Lewis and the red lizard analogy that's in the, the book, The Great Divorce, you know. I'll tell it again real quick for those of you who haven't heard it. Um, this man has this, uh, he's walking around, he has this lizard, this red lizard that's attached itself to his shoulder. And it's kind of like grown into his shoulder. Like it's got these kind of roots, talons that grown into him. And he's a, it's like a part of him. And it's constantly talking to him. It's constantly telling him horrible things, um, telling him horrible, nasty stories. It's uh, right telling him what to do, telling him what not to do, telling him who he is, right? And uh, he meets this, this angel-like creature and... Uh, this movie, if this would be a movie, it would be like a Tim Burton movie. It'd be really weird like that, right? I mean, it's, this is how it is. So he, he meets this, this angel-like, white, glowing creature, and, and he says, uh, uh, the creature says, I can get rid of that red lizard for you. And the guy goes, really? That would be awesome. Because this thing is on me, man. It's attached itself to me. It is constantly telling me horrible stuff. And, you know, he's just going on and on about how he wants to get rid of this thing, right? So the the big glowing creature goes, okay. Turns into this big ball of fire, right? And reaches out its hand to remove the red lizard from the guy's shoulder. And he, and he winces back a little bit. And he goes, wait. Wait a minute, All right? There's gonna be some pain involved here, and he's like, uh, you know, maybe, uh, wait, maybe, you know, maybe you don't have to kill it. <laughs> maybe you can injure it a little. Um, and hearing this, this red lizard creature that's on his shoulder, it it hears this guy actually protecting it, and then it goes, 
into advocating for its life, right? It starts to say things to him like, he can do it, right? The red lizard says, he can kill me. And then what are you going to do? And then who are you going to talk to? And then who are you going to be? I've been with you so long. I can be better, it says. I'll be better. I'll tell you stories that are almost innocent, right? C.S. Lewis writes, it's the red lizard. And it lives in all of us. And it tells us who we are to be. It, it, we submit to it in our addictions. The red lizard isn't the addiction. The red lizard is the, the voice that tells us that who we are in our identity that that's what we do right it's that little voice and when you recognize it when you recognize your own demons and right I mean, i'm not talking about voices and being schizophrenic i mean that's something else all right if you're hearing voices you need to talk to a doctor get a psychiatrist that's not what i'm talking about here you all know what i'm talking about cognitions it's your self-talk it's the, the the dialogue we all have with ourselves constantly and ongoing the number one person that you talk to the most is yourself and you do conform to a voice that is constantly telling you who you are who you're gonna be what you're gonna do what kind of appetites are going to be satisfied and what kind of appetites are going to be resisted. You can choose to submit to Jesus and over time, over studying scripture, over being in prayer, over really realizing that God is real. And that's when you have this man, one-to-one -one relationship with God. Even your ability to believe, to have enough faith, is a gift to you by a holy and righteous God who loves you. Don't believe the lie that you have to earn favor with God. That is so not the truth. It is a gift so that no one may boast. Ephesians 2, right? And the biggest lie the red lizard tells us the biggest lie that's believed by large groups of people is that I'm pure. I'm holy. I'm a white snowflake. You infected me. You did that. You're the one that needs to be eradicated. And really, it's something that exists inside us. The, the red lizard exists to tell us lies and to try and persuade us into believing that we belong here, that we will burn and be sent to this place that was created for the devil and his demons and a uh, red lizard is constantly telling us lies. Cognitive scientists will tell you that a thought gives birth to more thoughts, that gives birth to more thoughts that spreads like cells through the mind. In the film Inception, here's a quote from the, from the movie by the character Cobb. What is the most resilient parasite? Bacteria? A virus? An intestinal worm? An idea. Resilient. Highly contagious. Once it, an idea has taken hold of the brain, it's almost impossible to eradicate. An idea that's fully formed, fully understood, that sticks right in there somewhere. All right, the nation of Osama bin Laden, the individual who is Osama bin Laden, was fully taken over by, by the idea that he is pure, that what he believes is right and true, and that we are the good people in his mind, right? His people. And those are the bad people. They need to die. What about your thoughts that have taken over and have taken ground in the nation that is you. Ephesians 6, 16, lift up over all the coverings, the shield of saving faith upon which you can extinguish all the flaming missiles of the wicked one, right? The fiery arrows, the fiery darts that hit your mind and start to spread. 
those of you who struggle with sexual integrity and you listen to that voice that just said, you know, it's okay. You're a wounded soul. You get, you deserve this. You know, if, if she would, if she would hear those, hear that, she would do this. If she would do that, if she would work out more, if she would look like this, if she would serve you, the God that is you, because you're pure and you're holy. This is the, this is the war that we're in worldliness in the heart. The Bible says the definition of worldliness, lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, right? These are three different layers more than they're just a comma, 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 aren't they? The lust of the eyes, you know, breaking the eighth commandment, taking something that's not yours. The lust of the flesh in feeding something dark that's in you an appetite that is only right uh, satisfied that it keeps yelling and getting louder and louder until you satisfy it and so you do most of the flesh the pride of life that I am God everyone needs to serve me everyone needs to see that I'm wounded everyone needs to see that I hurt and I am the one that needs to be served I don't need to be a servant. I need to be served. That is a, the pride of life. This is worldliness. It's not listening to some kind of genre of music or watching some kind of film that has a few F words, in, right? Worldliness is a heart condition. I know, I know. I've said that a lot, but it's important. Um, I'll leave in the comments of this this uh, podcast and the MP3. I'll leave some of the notes of the, the scripture I want to talk about here. But and I would read it to you if I had more time. I'm driving right now, and you know it's one thing to be recording while I'm driving. It's another thing to be reading the Bible, recording and driving. That would probably be dangerous. <laughs> I don't want to be doing that. And I'll close the show with this, um, James. 27 and I've talked about that a lot that pure religion is you know this religion that the Amplified Bible will say um, expressed in outward um, worship right in outward acts of uh, kindness and stuff is taking a pure religion is taking care of widows and orphans like there should be a I don't know for in our culture there would be a like a for example taking care of widows and orphans, right? That's pure religion. And it says, you know, doing good works in the sight of God is good for us. Like, And it says at the end of the here's the part that I leave off and a lot of people leave off when they bring up that verse. And it says, and to keep oneself unspotted and uncontaminated from the world. And uh, I, I love that, right? To keep from worldliness, some translations will say. C.S. Lewis had the great um, analogy of coldness, right? Like, you're either a part of the icy coldness that sets in. When cold kills a person, um, it's kind of like the this outward virus that comes in, like uh, hypothermia, um, when someone gets frostbite, you know, and if they survive that, they lose fingers and toes because it freezes off, you know. You're either, you're either part of, of God's warming, right? This is religious acts, outward religious acts of warming the people that are cold, coming to the folks who have been hit by the icy frostbite of this world by, for example, losing their husband, um, an orphan, losing their parents. Someone comes in with a warm heart and takes care of that kid. Man, I got heart for people who take care of foster kids, man. I think that's awesome that people do that. You know what I'm saying? It's that attitude. And in a military unit, being a unit and going out to push back what is icy and cold and causing frostbite in the world, right? It's a good thing.
I look back and I, I kind of wish I would have joined the military, you know. But then again, God had a plan and I wouldn't have met my wife and I wouldn't have my two awesome kids if I did that. But the reason I say that is because I would have learned some structure, right, some uh, authority, to learning to accept authority a little bit, learning to trust, learning respect to a certain degree. There's good things people learn in the military. Um, first Peter uh, chapter 2 uh, 13 through 14 you know talking about submitting yourself to the Lord for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men you know that, that it would be good for us to um, be in there's just, so many guys in the military I, I, I envy that that I didn't grow up with that and, and uh, there's some really goodness to structure of authority right even if the guy who your sergeant is a jerk uh, I don't know you learn from from fallen people and you learn respect and so you know depending on your heart condition right that's the big thing the Bible's gonna make truth claims and in our relativistic culture that says that Oh, right and wrong is whatever you know. Whatever works for you, that's what's true. That's what's right. Um, no, I mean, there there is truth. There is concrete truth. There are lies. There is a gray area in between, and that's part of recovery: is cleaning up and clearing up some of the gray. Um, John eight, around thirty. Um, Jesus is talking to the, the religious guys, the, the Jews, the religious Jews, right, that that are around him. And he says, uh, again, um, he says this a lot. Like, <laughs> a couple times in the Bible he says, if you abide in my word, you are my true disciples. Okay, if, if you're listening to me, if you're following what I'm saying, you're my disciple, you're disciplining yourself to do, right, these things. And then he says, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And the religious Jews get a little offended by that, right? Like they look at him and go, wait, you know, we are, we're sons of Abraham, you know, we're, we've never been enslaved to anybody. What are you, what are you talking about? The truth will set us free. We are free, right? That kind of attitude. And then Jesus says this in, in verse 34, um, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever commits a sin becomes a slave to sin. Right? Love that. A slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. I'm pulled over now, so I'm reading this. Uh, so the son... If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are the offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. Um, and basically he goes on to call the religious guys sons of the devil, right? <laughs> That's pretty, I don't know. That's pretty offensive. I've said some, uh, I've ticked off some religious people, but you know, I've never, never told a dude that his, his mom shagged the devil. <laughs> I haven't done that, but Jesus did. So uh, I don't know. I find that's kind of awesome, right? That there is a war going on. That the icy coldness of heart. That what Jesus is talking about in finding him as authority, Matthew twenty-eight. Um, I think it's verse 8. You know, I am the authority. Uh, trusting in that. It's about Jesus. Why do I do the things that are good? Because I love Jesus. It's not me. I'm not good. Jesus is good. And he'll set you free. The truth will set us free. And through turning from those things, right? Through repentance we start to see what we actually worship as opposed to just playing lip service, as opposed to believing some of these pious religious kind of things like, 
you know, hyper Calvinism that says that there is no willpower at all, and you just you're gonna God's gonna set you free if He chooses to, and there's no you know effort on your part. Why do you think Jesus uses the word discipleship? Pick up your cross and follow me, right? I mean, I don't know, some of these hyper-Calvinist guys. Tell that to the 400-pound guy on The Biggest Loser, right? There's a show in the United States called The Biggest Loser, and it's these really obese, overweight people who are entered into this competition to see who can lose the most weight, right? Become the biggest loser. Um, Talk about losing more of yourself, right? So, in this show, they they go into this competition, and and some of these guys are in real dire um, need for help in this area. And one guy is like, you know, 400 pounds, and the doctor's saying, listen, you don't start taking this seriously. You don't start exercising. You don't start doing this. You're not going to see your kids get married. That's the truth right? What do you say to a guy like that? You just give him this kind of religious, oh yeah, Jesus will set you free if he wants to. No, you're going to have to do some work. Yes, Jesus will set you free, but it's by worshiping him and pressing into him and asking him to sustain you when you don't have enough energy, when you don't have enough power, when you don't have the willpower to do it, man. Willpower is just another form of Diction, right? Lean on me, Jesus says. Trust in me, Jesus says. Come to me when you're heavy burdened. And you're going to be like the 400-pound guy on that show, running a mile three or four times a week. Some of these guys run a mile a day. Three, four hundred pounds. I, I, it's like, Wow. How do you do that? Some of us, man, that's discipleship. You're going to have to get off your ass and work. Get to freaking work, all right? No matter how hard it is, it's an act of worship to love someone else outside yourself. And maybe this is a spouse that you haven't even met yet. But you're going to love them through conquering this thing now. And you're going to suffer like Jesus suffered for the sake of being able to love more deeply and being able to have a legacy and being able to really define love in this world on an eternal basis the way that Jesus has us to find love we're going to have to be like Jesus I mean, that is just the truth man I love you guys I've gone long in this show and uh, again my email is russ at asi247.org um, the website is asi247.org man I love you guys again trusting in Jesus Christ is not being some religious kook or zealot. It is simply doing what is true and right and submitting to what's true in the world. Okay? I love you guys. I'm going to leave you with a little medley of bumpers and, and stuff here. Till next time. Bye. There's nothing like a trail of blood to find your way back home. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Matthew 16.25, New King James Version. Thank you.
23, and he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Man, it got so convoluted, polluted, and distorted. I ran with the only information I was given. I turned it into my armor, my defense mechanism, and my weapon of self-destruction. Yeah, I had a fucked up childhood, and I was a troubled teen. Those are facts. How I got there, that's a story told by many voices. It's not my job to blame anybody anymore. I just need to accept the path I was given. This is, without a doubt, my life after death. See that life is beautiful